welcome to episode 68 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, flow the water episode. If you like H2O, we've got some great info for you today. We'll highlight the most common forms of water treatment on the trail. For today's top five list, if you've been on the fence about how to store your water, we'll give you some good reasons why you might want to skip the bladder. Then on the Summit Gear Review, you'll learn how thousands of thru-hikers have treated millions of liters to stay hydrated on the trail. On today's Backpack Hack of the Week, we'll sing a little ditty to help you remember a simple water treatment formula. And we'll wrap up this show with a little trail wisdom from the American government. You dug up some trail wisdom from the American government. (laughs) Wow. Beautiful and inspiring. You'll love it. All this and that's about it today on the first 40 miles. So back before the amazing technology that we have nowadays, things were a little more primitive and a little more rustic. For people to purify water, usually they would boil it. In fact, they probably didn't do anything to it. They probably built up some kind of immunity. But boiling water was pretty much the only way that they had to treat water. Now we have so many options. So I'm curious, Josh, what water treatment methods have you used in the past? When I was a Boy Scout, I think I mostly used the boiling method. So I would cook my dinner with water that I got out of the stream. And I used the, I guess what I'll call the pack it in method. So for an overnight trip, you just pack in enough water to last for the whole time. And so, you know, you can kind of use those two methods together. So I would pack enough drinking water and then I would boil all of my water that I was cooking with. And then after I grew up, and especially for longer hikes, for many years I've had a Katadyne Hiker water filter. And there is actually one more method, but I've tried to avoid using it at all costs. In my 10 Essentials kit, I have a little vial of iodine tablets, and they're gross. But they're there in case I really need them. And then more recently, you've experimented with some space-age technologies. We've had the opportunity to use the SteriPen, which has been a really convenient and easy way to treat water. We reviewed the SteriPen Freedom in episode 52, and then we've also reviewed the Vapor Microfilter. That was in episode 31. And we've talked about the Sawyer Mini and the Life Straw uh, in episode 17. And there's some that we haven't tried yet that I'm really anxious to check out and see how they work. One of the solutions for water treatment is using a gravity filter. And this involves taking a bladder and hanging it from a tree and having some kind of filtration device attached to it. And basically this big pouch of water filters down into another pouch of water and you get really great water filtration that can filter a good amount. Like usually when you're doing water filtration or water treatment for yourself, you're doing like one to two liters at a time, but this can do quite a bit of water and that's great for family backpacking. 
And that's a passive option, right? You you put the you hang the water up and you wait a while and just through gravity it goes through the filter. So you're not squeezing it or pumping it. Yeah, exactly. Another option is solar and usually the very top of a lake. From what I understand, it's pretty well solar treated water. You could probably drink the top of that water and it would be safe to drink. I don't know if I'm going to try it. I really like having a backup plan. <laughs> So it's funny, I think with the pumps, I feel the most involved in my water treatment and have the most innate confidence that the water, I, I pushed it by force through this filter, so it must be clean. And then with the other options like the SteriPen or a solar UV treatment, they say it works and I haven't gotten sick using a SteriPen. So, so far I can't say it doesn't work. Well, you talked a little bit about iodine, which is kind of falling out of favor with a lot of people. I mean, it used to be kind of the go-to chemical treatment for water, but now people have realized they don't like the taste of iodine so much. So there are some really great options out there, and we'll talk about one of them later on in the show. They're the Aquamira tablets or the Aquamira drops. And then the last type of water treatment would be the human immunoresponse system. Some people are just built with a bulletproof immune system. And I don't know how those people do it, but they can drink from any body of water and never get sick. I think about this every time I see an animal drinking out of a mud puddle somewhere. Like what's so special about them that they can do that and be fine and we can't? And I know they have different digestive systems. So some animals really do have a digestive system that attacks microbes more aggressively. But I really wonder if we baby ourselves too much. And as a result, we have become more sensitive to infections through our water than we may have been historically. Well, that's an interesting idea. I wonder about that too, but I don't want to test it out. Like, I don't want to be the one to drink out of the stream and end up with parasites for a few weeks. Yeah, I only test it very rarely. When I see a mountain spring and I see the source right there 10 feet away from me, that's just too tempting. Oh, that water tastes so good with no <laughs> treatment at all. I have to admit, I did test it out with you that one time. That was good water. North slopes of Mount Hood. Good stuff. For today's top five list, the top five reasons not to use a hydration bladder. Now, the week before my first backpacking trip, I bought a pack, and inside of that pack was a huge sleeve for a water bladder or a hydration bladder. So I went over to the area where they sold hydration bladders and checked out all the different sizes, and I thought, oh, I'll just get the biggest one that fits my pack. So I bought a three liter bladder, and after thinking about it for a good 24 hours, I ended up driving right back to the store and returned it unused and unopened. If you're not familiar with what a hydration bladder is, it's a big bag that holds your water, and it also has a tube attached to that bag. So when you put this big bag of water inside of your pack, you have this tube that comes out and usually attaches onto one of the shoulder straps so that you can have ready access to your tube of water. And most backpacking packs have been designed to hold hydration bladders. So they have a kind of a sleeve or area inside the pack where the bladder goes. They have a hole for the hose to come out of the pack and they have a Velcro tab or something on the shoulder strap where you will attach the end of the hydration bladder hose. But hydration bladders aren't without their risks and downsides. So we wanted to focus on that today, focus on the negative, 
And for people out there who love hydration bladders, we would love to hear from you and see what some of the upsides are. Because as we talked about in the opening, gravity filters are great with hydration packs. So I know there are other really great benefits, but today we're going to maybe kick some people off the fence. People who are thinking, ah, should I get one? Should I not? Here are some reasons not to. Yeah. And if you're a beginning backpacker and you're just getting ready for your first trip, We're going to pretty much convince you that you don't need to worry about buying a water bladder. Just grab a water bottle from the local store and stuff it in your pack and you're ready to go. So Heather, why do you not carry a hydration bladder? Well, the number one reason is that you can't see the water level. So the water is hidden in your backpack and you just have this tube kind of dangling on your shoulder strap. And so you're drinking, you're drinking and drinking. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, how much water have I been drinking? And you don't know if you're halfway through your supply or if you've just had a couple cups. It's so hidden. And when you have a water bottle that you can physically hold on to and pull out of your pack, then you can see how much water you've been drinking and when it'll be time to refill. The second reason why we don't carry hydration bladders is because they are not puncture proof. They're inside of your pack. They're next to your stove, your mess kit, uh, other potentially sharp items, and they can get poked. Uh, Or you could set your bladder out on the ground somewhere, and it could get poked by something in the ground. The forest is filled with pokey things. It certainly is. And as I read a lot of information from other people who have tested water bladders and really put them through their paces, it sounds like they get about six months out of them before their first puncture. And sometimes it's a tiny, tiny puncture, so they don't notice it until they just get this wet spot in their pack. Well, the number three reason to not use a hydration bladder is because they are leak-prone. Hydration bladders, the bladders themselves have two spots where they could leak. One is the lid that you open to pour the water in, and the other is where you connect the hose to get the water out. So you've got two points of potential failure, plus the hose itself, anywhere along the hose or at either end of the hose, the connectors could fail or leak. And the number four reason not to use a hydration bladder is because you can just drink out of it. You can't really pour out of it. If you have a water bottle, then you have the option of drinking out of it, and you can also pour water out of it to rehydrate your meals. And the fifth reason we don't carry hydration bladders is because they're really hard to clean. With a water bottle, I can just uh, stick it in my dishwasher when I get home. But with a hydration bladder, you've got to take that lid off and then, I guess, kind of reach inside there or put in some sterilizing solution. But then you got to make sure you got all of the sterilizing solution out when it's done being cleaned. You know, if, if you look at water bladders, you'll see features like slime guard or it won't flavor your water with plastic flavor or, you know, leak guard. These are kind of some hints of uh, the difficulties that you might run into with hydration bladders. And so just keeping it from being slimy and getting all those parts clean, that's kind of a tough job. And I will say anything other than water in your hydration bladder is definitely out of the question. It will just grow bacteria like nothing else. So you're really just limited to water. If you are dead set on using a hydration bladder, then really you need to get a bottle brush to clean out the inside. And then they sell these little tablets that you can put inside of your bladder to keep it clean. But that's a lot of fussing. That's just a lot of managing. And I think I would just prefer to have a bottle that I can count on. 
Now, for those people who really enjoy having a tube to drink out of, you know, water that's really convenient, there's a product out there that I just recently discovered, and I haven't done a lot of testing with it, but it's called JetFlow, and it's an attachment that goes onto an existing water bottle, and there's an air intake tube, and then there's a water... Outflow. Outflow tube. (laughs) So you can still have the convenience of that tube six inches from your face. And then you can still put that water bottle in your water bottle pouch on the outside of your pack. And you have all the benefits of a water bottle and the convenience of a tube. I'll put the link to JetFlow on today's show notes. And today's show notes are at the first40miles.com slash 068. And typically, we don't like to be negative on this show, so we know there are benefits to using hydration bladder. Are we overlooking something extremely obvious? We would love to hear from our first 40 milers. We know there are benefits, so please share. I'm certain there are people who live by hydration bladders, and that's like the only way they carry their water. So we'd love to hear the reasons why. And, uh, you know, just share those on Facebook and Twitter so other listeners can listen in on the discussion. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing Aquamira Drops. And we mentioned at the beginning of the show that Aquamira also makes tablets, but today we'll just be focusing on the liquid drops that they make for water treatment. It's a two-part water treatment, and you can get the Aquamira drops in a backpacker-friendly size. The ones that we tried out came with two one-ounce bottles. The first bottle is 2% chlorine dioxide, and the second bottle has 5% phosphoric acid activator. So Josh, what? (laughs) What is this stuff? Can you kind of nerd out on us here and tell us what we're drinking. Well, it's the chlorine dioxide that really does the work, that kills the germs. And it's better than chlorine gas. So, you know, chlorine dioxide is one chlorine atom with two oxygen atoms attached to it uh, in a molecule, as opposed to just chlorine gas. It's better because it's more soluble in water than chlorine gas. So it, it it distributes better within the water that you put it in, especially in cold water, which is pretty common when you're backpacking. It remains a gas when it is dissolved in the water. The reason that's important is because chlorine gas, um, when it's dissolved in water, it uh, becomes corrosive and becomes an acid. So chlorine dioxide doesn't have that problem. Chlorine dioxide is more effective than chlorine gas, and it's less dangerous. Chlorine gas, when it purifies water, it creates these byproducts that are dangerous to us and potentially cancer-causing and, you know, all of that. And chlorine dioxide works differently from chlorine gas, and it doesn't produce those same dangerous byproducts. So more effective, safer, better than chlorine gas. And, of course, uh, it tastes a lot better than iodine. So... The catch is that chlorine dioxide cannot be transported. You know, you see the trucks with big tanks on them. They'll never have chlorine dioxide in them because they're not allowed to transport those quantities of chlorine dioxide. It's usually generated on the site where it's going to be used. So you have to get around that. And so the way that you get around that is by creating a buffered solution of chlorine dioxide. And that's what Aquamira does. So the one bottle has the chlorine dioxide solution, but it's been buffered. And so the chlorine dioxide essentially is ineffective. 
And that's why you need the second bottle that has the phosphoric acid. The way that you activate the chlorine dioxide is by mixing it with acid. So you've got your chlorine dioxide, you mix that with a few drops of the acid, and now you've got active chlorine dioxide that's actually going to kill some germs. This is my favorite part of this show is hearing you just go crazy with science. I <laughs> love it because you have such an amazing way of explaining things. Thank you so much. And I just realized I said that the chlorine dioxide is buffered. Uh, what I actually meant is that it's stabilized, but it's, it's converted into a form where it's not active uh, so that it can be transported safely. I trusted you when you said buffered. Oh, I know. You meant stabilized. <laughs> Just in case there's any science geeks listening to the episode, <laughs> I don't want to really stress them out. Using the Aquamira drops requires a little bit of a learning curve, but it's not that hard. So you take seven of the A drops, which is the chlorine dioxide, seven of the B drops, which is the phosphoric acid activator, and you mix them in a tiny mixing cup. And then you wait five minutes, pour it into your water bottle, and in 15 minutes, you can drink it up. Unless it's very cold or murky water, then you should wait a little bit longer, more like 30 minutes. And using these drops doesn't take out the particulates or the tasty bits out of the water. So if you wanted uh, no floaties, you'd have to pre-filter your water with a bandana or if you have some kind of coffee filter or something, that's a great way to pre-filter your water. And then you could treat it. The Aquamira drops will kill bacteria, protozoa, and viruses, which is really unique. No filters that are within the financial reach of most backpackers take out viruses. It's just really, it's not that big of a deal out in the backcountry. If you're going to be traveling to other countries, then viruses are more of an issue. But in America and in most first world countries, you're not going to have viruses in the water. Aquamira won't discolor your water, bonus, and it actually improves the taste of the water in many cases. If the water was already good tasting to begin with, then you may notice a slight pool water flavor, but um, in that case, you might want to mix in like a little tang or something if it really bothers you. But it kills the stuff that makes the water taste bad, so that's good. And as Josh said, Aquamira drops are effective in cold water. They're also effective in warm water, in clear water, and a little less effective in muddy water. So um, you do have to wait a while if it's muddy. For mass, of course, you'll be carrying these two one-ounce bottles. Uh, that's liquid ounce. So altogether, the bottles plus their contents weigh three ounces on the scale, so about 80 grams. But we have a hack that will make it even lighter for you to carry Aquamira on the trail. I just went to the dollar store and I found these little tiny bottles of breath drops. Straight up alcohol. You just squeeze it out and wash it out really well. And then you can take off the little dropper top. It has like an orifice reducer top. You just take that off and you can measure in the amount of Aquamira that you need. And those two little bottles of Aquamira are what I keep in my pack all the time. Even though I use other forms of water treatment on various trips, these ones always stay in my backpack because they're so tiny and they're so easy to use. So with my Catadyne Hiker water filter coming in at about 12 ounces, I mean, that's much heavier and more bulky than probably a week's worth of Aquamira drops. And then especially when you take and put them into these smaller bottles that you get from the dollar store. 
And even compared to something like the SteriPen Freedom, you know, the SteriPen is 2.6 ounces. So we're, we're kind of on par with the weight of the SteriPen. But again, if you transfer just the amount of drops that you need into smaller containers, you'll get that weight down even further. For maintenance, the Aquamira drops do have a shelf life. However, it's four years. So there's a good chance if you're using the Aquamira drops frequently, you'll use it up before it expires. And the container with the two one-ounce bottles will treat 30 gallons of water. The typical person needs three or four liters of water a day. Of course, when you're out backpacking, expect to need more uh, if you're doing some high exertion. Uh, But just sort of figuring that out in my head, then, I mean, you're looking at maybe a gallon of water a day. So on a typical week-long backpacking trip, you might purify five or six gallons of water. And so you're probably going to get maybe five week-long backpacking trips out of one container of Aquamira. Or 15 weekend trips. Yeah. For investment, a package of Aquamira drops cost about $15. Now you've used the Aquamira a lot more than I have because I bring with me this memory of how terrible iodine tablets are. And I've been really hesitant to use any kind of chemical water treatment. So, you know, I'm packing filters, I've tried the SteriPen, but I've pretty much steered clear of all chemical treatments. And now prepping for this episode, you know, now that I've read up on how Aquamira works, and I realize that it actually can improve the taste of water because of uh, disabling certain compounds that make it taste bad, I'm starting to have some second thoughts Like, maybe I should be a little more open to trying this. I'm notorious in our family for having a super sniffer. (laughs) Like, I can smell anything, and I can tell you exactly what it is that I'm smelling. You know, whether it's dirty socks or someone has left a bowl of mac and cheese under their bed. So I was really curious if the Aquamira drops would end up kind of tainting the water or making it smell chemically. So I mixed it in, I waited 15 minutes, and then I sniffed and I tasted and everything. And I would say if you are very, very, very sensitive, if you can smell things like I can, then you might want to add in like some tang or some true lemon powder And it could just be all psychological. I don't know. And I think the smell does dissipate after a while. But I was really, I was sniffing hard, you know, trying to see, can I smell it? Can I still smell that smell? Josh, I don't think you would be bothered by it at all. You seem to be kind of uh, not as gifted as I am in the sniffing department. Yeah, you're right about that. (laughs) That's okay. You're also left-handed. And nearsighted. All kinds of stuff going against me. Life is so hard. Oh, it's okay. (laughs) Lots of through hikers go with Aquamira drops because they're so reliable. They're really easy to use. They're relatively inexpensive and they really last a long time. Now, the one thing Aquamira recommends against doing um, is pre-mixing the solution. So don't pre-mix. You want to mix it when you're ready to pour it in your water, and that'll make it the most potent. Even though the Aquamira drops are so easy to use, we came up with a little trick to help you remember the order that you're supposed to use the drops and how long you're supposed to wait and when you're supposed to put it in. It requires a little bit of a learning device. (laughs) I said learning device because I don't know how to say mnemonic. So this is going to help you learn how to use the Aquamira drops. 
So, for today's backpack hack of the week, the Aquamira song. Seven A drops, seven B drops in a tiny mixing cup. Wait five minutes, pour it in. In fifteen minutes, drink it up. Are you waiting for a second verse? Uh, yes, I am. I'm、okay. waiting for three more verses. <laughs> three more verses? You're kidding!、Okay. So that's the only necessary verse, right? That's got the seven A drops, seven B drops, fifteen minutes, drink it up. Yes, that's the instructional verse. The rest are just entertaining verses. Okay,、yeah. ready? Do you want to sing the next one? No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and we'll post the lyrics on the show notes. So if you all want to sing along, then you can.、Here、okay, along with the ukulele tablature. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Aquamira kills the microbes, but it doesn't filter junk. If there's swamp green in your Nalgene, then you'll need to use a pump. Aquamira, Aquamira makes your water legendary. If you don't use Aquamira, you'll come home with dysentery. This verse I would like to dedicate to Josh. Aquamira, Aquamira doesn't stink like iodine. If you still don't want to use it, you can use a catadine. Ah, thanks. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, the government of the United States of America. Something just sounds funny about that. The feds. <laughs> But in the Trails for All Americans report published in 1990, the American government said trails have multiple values, and their benefits reach far beyond recreation. Trails can enrich the quality of life for individuals. Make communities more livable and protect, nurture, and showcase America's grandeur by traversing areas of natural beauty, distinctive geography, historic significance, and ecological diversity. Trails are important for the nation's health, economy, resource protection, and education. And today's quote came from a document that's available online for everyone to read, called "Trails for All Americans Report," and we'll have the link to that in the show notes. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, check out our new book, "Forty Backpacking Hacks," on Amazon or iTunes. We'll see you next time on the first forty miles. The most common forms of water treatment. I thought I was going to have a comma after that. <laughs> straight up, period. And the fifth reason we don't carry hydration platters, platters, platters. <laughs> <laughs> hydration on a platter. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And maybe next week we'll share the top five reasons why every fourth grader in America needs a hydration bladder. Okay. That's good policy. Yeah, yeah. Every fourth grader needs a bladder. Okay, stop saying that word. <laughs> It's just a weird word. <laughs>